Okay, good morning, everybody. Morning. morning. Good morning. <clears throat> it's good to see everyone this morning. Um, a couple of announcements before we get started. Um, July 2 is our next corporate gathering. That's the first Sabbath, uh, Saturday in July. We're having that at Bruvino. We've all been there before. Um, so that'll be really good. Also, don't forget that our discussions here are recorded and to find us on Spotify, Collective Journey Bible Studies. And you can share it and subscribe to it and all that and get the, get the word around of our discussions that we have. So, so that'll be good. All right, so we're continuing our discussion of 1 Corinthians. Today we're doing chapter 10. Chapter 10 is a long chapter, and let's see, we're focusing primarily on verse 23 on. Before we do that, um, anybody here get a chance to read the whole chapter? And if so, did anything jump out at you in the verses preceding verse 23? I know that when I read through this, the first part of chapter 10 title in our, in our Bible series, Warnings from Israel's Past. That was kind of interesting. Um, Paul was really kind of bringing out, you know, the people in the past were having all these struggles. And it unnerved me, though, the way that it was interpreted. Say more about that. Um, it was interpreted that, um, like in verse 5, okay. that God wasn't pleased with most of them, um, and, you know, they were struck down in yeah. the wilderness. Yeah. That um, that does to me that doesn't paint a proper picture of God. Mm. It was their natural consequences mm -hmm. that struck them down, mm -hmm. and the same with um, they, he brought in about the snakes. Yeah, that would have been verse nine. Verse nine, don't test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. Um, he didn't bring the snakes. I I. I believe, or I choose to believe, the snakes were always there. It was a desert. There are vipers in a desert. But all along, God had been protecting them from those all those poisonous snakes. But when they constantly chose to, to um, go against him, you know, he just honored their request to, to not be involved in their life so much, and he just withdrew his protection. Mm -hmm. Snakes have always been there. That's good. Um, there was interesting verse 6 to speak more about what you're saying there, Mom. Now these things took place as an example for us so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Kind of a fear-induced sort of way to say don't do bad stuff because bad stuff will happen to you. But I guess the idea is what, what's the point Paul's driving at? Remember, he's writing to the Corinthian church, which we've talked a lot about in these discussions. The Corinthian <clears throat> church were a rowdy bunch of people. Well, I think if you properly interpret it, then, um, you know, look what happened to them. Because they desired evil things. The natural consequence of that was this. Yes. It, you know, if we, if we look at it through that lens, then we're okay. Hmm. Just realize the natural consequences of your actions. He's looking at it through a perspective of historical facts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like, um, 
for every for everything that you do, there's always going to be a reaction or a uh, consequence, and it could be good or it could be bad. So, you know, it's teaching the uh, what happened to historical figures, you know, people before him, you know. This this has it uh, reading um, that the passion translation. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Um, now all these things serve uh, as types of pictures for us, lessons that teach us not to fail in the same way by cautiously craving working worthless things and practicing idolatry, as some of them did. So we talked a lot about idolatry here the last several weeks, actually. Pretty interesting. Verse 12 stuck out to me pretty heavy. And check this verse out. So, on uh, the CSB, so whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. We have a different translation. You have the passion. I've got the message. You got the message. Let's read it in um, some different translations just to see how it's. Different. I got the New King James. New King James? Yeah, I think it's all going to be relatively similar, but, you know, New King James, what's that say? Uh, therefore, let him who think he stands take heed lest he fall. Lest he fall? Uh, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, in the in the twelve step program, you know, addiction recovery circles. What the reason I highlighted this verse is really interesting because, you know, in those programs, it's every day. Your goal is to just make it through today, and it doesn't matter if you've got one day of sobriety or thirty five years of sobriety. The, the idea is you just we're just getting through today, we're not worrying about tomorrow, just today. And there's a common practice that I've heard about and read about is people who they get kind of cocky they get kind of arrogant you know I've been sober for years now I've never had a problem I'm good I, you know and they start be careful that you don't fall they start you know losing sight of the guardrails and protections and boundaries that they have in place so they don't fall back into that lifestyle and I find that really interesting how the Bible kind of confirms that whole idea that how it, with the message, that's how the message words it. Yeah. These are all warning workers. Danger in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning and we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. forward here let's start in verse 23 and this is going to be the main focus of our conversation today 
And um, 23, you know, through basically verse 1 of chapter 11. It's weird how they have this broken up in this Bible, but um, that's kind of how we're going to roll with it. 30, essentially. Okay, so we're going to just kind of pick a couple sentences and we're going to read and we're going to unpack the two primary questions we're trying to answer is what are, you, what are your insights? What is God revealing to you about what we're reading? So, so the goal the goal of this is what stands out to you in this passage? And that's the beauty about these conversations is that you know each of us have a different worldview and a lens that we read scripture through and God speaks to all of us differently. And that's why it's really great is when we share openly these insights, we all learn from each other, we all grow. And it's, it's a great thing. So, um, let's read. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. What do we think of that? I think part of me goes back to the free will thing. Yeah, good for it. Yeah. I mean, Car- it's good for it. Right. Yeah. No, you're good. Carter, a couple weeks ago, we had, sorry, Morgan, we had a conversation um, about, and we're going to reference this through this thing about don't create a stumbling block. You know the person? And we were kind of wrestling with that whole concept. So this, I think, passage, Paul ties a lot more information into that. About what that means about exercising your freedom and things like that, you know. Uh, Mom, you want to read some verses here? Start at verse 25. 25 through 30, please. Eat everything that is sold in the meat market without raising questions for the sake of conscience, since the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. If any of the unbelievers invites you over and you want to go, eat everything that is set before you without raising questions for the sake of conscience. But if someone says to you, this is food from a sacrifice, do not eat it out of consideration for the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by another person's conscience? If I partake with thanksgiving, why am I criticized because of something for which I give thanks? What do we think about that? It's a little confusing to me. Yeah, I'm still confused. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm still confused. What did you say? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm still confused on that. Like, what are they uh, saying? This food is from a sacrifice. Do not eat it out of consideration for the one who told you. For the sake of the conscience. Several times it's conscience, yeah. I don't, yeah, think, I don't think they're talking about food. I think maybe they're talking about the leaves or something. Or Let's see. I mean, obviously, it's <clears throat> symbolic. Yeah. But I relate a little bit more than just symbolic, like real life to this, because have we ever, I know I have, or when we first became um, of this faith years ago when I was a child, my mom, my mother was very, um, very heavily legalistic. And we were invited to someone's house. And they had uh, a meal, a beautiful meal prepared, but there was part of it that was, um, you know, the unclean portion. Right. You know, she would not partake, even though they prepared this beautiful meal. So I don't, so I think there is something to say to this, like don't hurt somebody's feelings, you know, 
your your conscience might might say this might not be the best beneficial thing for me but but spare the feelings of the person that just labored to provide this beautiful meal for you you know i don't know that's kind of but but yet my brain is saying but if they had like shrimp or mussels i i can't even go there (laughs) so i don't even i don't know you know it'd be hard but you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings anyway i've gone through it a lot and they always understand. I mean, if, if like, like, yeah, I don't, I, I just don't eat that type of meat or, or, you know, shellfish or whatever. It's just for religious reasons, for reason or something. It's just something that I don't, I don't eat anymore. Yeah. You know, and in Puerto Rico's, they eat everything. They're big that, yeah. Oh my gosh. They eat a yeah. lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, they eat pretty much everything. Uh, but, you know, they understand. So let me just throw out to you a couple of key things that I think for me stood out. One is he does talk about conscious a lot for conscious sake, uh, for the sake of conscience. Okay, but in verse 29, he, he, he kind of brings closure to specifically what he's talking about. I do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. So for me, I believe his focus is... Again, you know, reference verse 23, um, sorry, verse 24, no one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. So his focus is not on self, his focus is on the other. And so for me, I, I understand him meaning, I'm not, I'm not talking about your conscience, I'm talking about their conscience. Because again, this is coming after he's talking about, remember the chapter 8, chapter 9, food offered to idols. And if, you know, a brother says, well, that food was offered to idols. And, and you know that eating food offered to idols doesn't mean anything, then by all means, don't eat the food because your weaker brother or sister who believes that this food is wrong, mm-hmm. don't be a stumbling block to them. No. That's what he's talking about. So I believe he's adding more context here to that whole concept. And he's saying, I don't mean your own conscience, but the other person's. And so he's, he's choosing to to say that I'm willing to exercise my power and freedom of choice to live life in a certain way as to not make it difficult for another person in the group, not make it difficult for them to understand who God is. Because he says here in verse 28, but if someone says to you, this is food from a sacrifice, Okay, then he's saying, then don't eat it out of consideration for the one who told you. In other words, we can, we can, you know, food offered idols doesn't mean anything. But in the circles that a lot of us grew up in, especially growing up in Seventh-day Adventist, you could say, that is unclean food. Yeah. And so if you're with someone who is, a, you know, we could say very legalistic minded and say, but that is unclean food. That's, that's pork and sauerkraut. That's baked beans with ham and onions in it. Or whatever it could be, when you're there with your friend, then by all means don't eat that food, because if you do, right, this is what he's saying from his perspective. He wouldn't eat the food because then that would really potentially create a rift or a stumbling block in the mind of this other person who thinks that that means anything. Oh, but pick me, pick me. So, <laughs> so. Okay, what if you're the guy in the middle? 
and you've got this person, you've gone to, to eat at someone's home, they've prepared a big pot of ham and beans because that's a, you know, a real thing. So you're going to either offend them and not eat their food to save this guy who you brought with you so he's not a stumbling block or, you know what I mean? That can get kind of hairy. Which one do you offend? Interesting. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to give you an answer on that one. <laughs> what do you think, Morgan? Uh, to me, it seems like it's as if you went to a person's house and they know your beliefs and they still served you something that they knew you didn't eat then then yeah then it's like it's saying you shouldn't eat the food offered to idols or sacrifice or whatever sure that seems like in the context of them knowing that you're not supposed to eat it as if they're saying go ahead go on and eat it it's fine maybe okay what you carter until we keep going and try to get a little more context. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just basically focusing on you know twenty eight mm-hmm. through thirty really right now. Yeah. I think everything's been said that I wanted to say. Yeah. And, I have no freaking clue. And to follow what Morgan said. I know, I'm completely to follow lost. what Morgan right. said. You know, maybe that person wants to offer you what he, he already knows that you don't eat. Maybe to test your faith. So I don't because think then if you go and eat it, they're gonna say, "Well, why did you yeah. just eat it? You're well, let's supposed keep, to be faithful, right?" Let's keep reading. Let's see if potentially when we finish but, this passage, some things might come. But that, yeah. can I say something just real quick? Sure. Um, so and there's you know the Bible has a lot of symbolism, some yeah. symbolism. So it's kind of one of my struggles. I'll go through periods of time and I try not to do it. You know, I'm not saying there's any rules you should or shouldn't, but you know, um, cursing. I'm around a bunch of people are cursing, I'm going to join in. And I admit that. I will. Just because I'm in that environment, whatever. Here, normally I don't. So I'll bring up examples where I have. I don't but, know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but but I, I th- So I'm looking at the symbolism of that. Now a person draws you into it. Um, and then they're able to throw in your face, well, look. Say, like, tomorrow I might be going to the carnival to see my old band play. And, you know, there's some people in the band that have a different viewpoint than I do on certain situations. And if I slip into that line of thinking that I once used to think was cool and funny and whatever, then they're, then it could be thrown back on me. Hey, look at you. You're saying this and you're saying that. You know, and that's a, that's a test to me. That's a test to me to... to try working with who I am. So that, that's how I'm starting to look at it this way. I'm trying to look at it through the symbolism instead of going to a house. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. if we go to a picnic and they have something that is quote unquote not legalistic not proper, yeah. but if, they're not, if they didn't do it on purpose, that's one thing. Um, but if they're doing it on purpose to, come on, I'm going to test your limits. Come on, come on, I know you used to eat whatever or yeah. drink this or whatever so Sarah you have a thought before we finish I think that's how I it's good. I like it so I think the for me the so according to Mary Webster mm-hmm. the definition the definition of conscious um, 
any sense or consciousness of the moral goodness or blameworthiness of one's own conduct, intentions, or character, together with a feeling of obligation to do right or be good. So, you know, it says, you know, 29, which I read, do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. So if, if they're talking about worrying about the sense or consciousness of the moral goodness, right? So I think this shows that you are, the other person is doing what they're doing in good conscience, right? Which would be right. um, moral goodness or blameworthiness, right? They're so the, moral so the goodness. Person. They're doing it in a good intention, according to what I'm understanding here, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like they're not doing it to so the person who says contextually, well, that food was sacrificed to idols, or in our place, that's unclean food. Right. They're doing it on moral good intention. Right. Yeah. So at that in that situation, if you were to say, even though, okay, you know, we don't believe that eating food that was offered to idols is going to kill us, right? Like if that's what we believe, or that's what our own conscience is telling us, then... But if they believe that it is, they morally believe that that is something that you should stay away from, and you go and eat it, then you're being a stumbling block to them at that point. So I think the intention is that whoever is in the situation, whatever the situation is, the person that you are working with has a moral goodness or blameworthiness. It's, you know, it's a positive intention. So let's finish the passage here. Let's read, um, so 31 to 33, and then we'll see if this adds more. Paul, after he talks about this, I do not mean your own conscience, the conscience of the other. So verse 30, if I, if I partake with thanksgiving, why am I criticized? Because of something for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the Church of God or unbelievers or heathens or pagans or religious people or atheists or alcoholics or addicts or... Right? Give no offense, just as I also try to please everyone and everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many so that they may be saved. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Now how on earth can a person say, imitate me as I, yes, part? I think that right there is just saying like, you know, don't, don't set down these legalistic laws if you're gonna offend or hurt someone mm-hmm. just for the sake of, because you think it's right. I think that sums it up all right there. Interesting. So, in other words, don't force other people to as to assign to your yeah, and is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, and you know, eat the ham and green beans if it's served to you, kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. That's good. That's yeah, good. I like that. So, when Paul talks about there in the end, verse thirty-three, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they may be saved. 
Did you notice there's a connection between <clears throat> that they may be saved to, if we flip back a chapter, to chapter 9, verse 22. Actually, let's start at verse 19 again. We're going to revisit this and see how it connects to. Chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law. Though I am myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like the one without the law. He gets kind of confusing here, right? Let's start at verse 22. To the weak, I become weak in order to win the <coughs> I have become all things to all people so that I may be by every possible means save some. Um, to think about it, that's kind of what Jesus did throughout his life. Okay. Like whenever he was around tax collectors, fishermen, he'd go around to all, to all these different kinds of people and right. minister to them how they wanted to be, needed to be ministered. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he also ministered to like the temple leaders and stuff. He was what twelve? Yes. By talking about scripture with them, like he wasn't probably wasn't going to do that. Talk scholarly scripture with Peter, you know? Yes. He's a rough and tumble blue collar fisherman. So it seems like we can stand, you know, be solid in what you believe, and what your personal principles are. But at, at the same time, uh, don't purposely offend people. Be careful of other people's feelings. You know, find like the balance, right? The balance that's in there. So is there a way then to basically be a chameleon, as Paul's describing himself here, and also saying that imitate me as I also imitate Christ, so, Morgan, to your point, you think your 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 idea, your thought is that Christ was almost like a chameleon too, because he talked to the tax collectors and the fishermen and the Pharisees alike and all that. Yeah, it's hard to imagine he talked to them all the same way. Correct. So, my question is then, how do we, and also Joe, to your point, how do we talk and inter- inter- interact with people who, you know, cuss and swear all the time? And then the staunch religious person, or the pastor, or the, you know, the family or the friend of all these different people. Like, for instance, did Jesus violate any kind of... So how, how did Paul and how did Jesus be chameleons without being hypocritical? Without giving anybody reason? to point a finger and say, yeah, but you say you're this. Look at what you're saying and doing and acting. I think there's a way. Does that make sense? There's a way to meet people where they are, like Jesus did. He met all kinds of people. There's a way to do that, and that's, you know, something that we have to learn from him. There's a way to meet people where they are without sacrificing what you know to be true. Does that make sense? Like in, in the message in those verses, it says, don't be callous. Um, as a matter of fact, do everything heartily and freely to God's glory. But at the same time, don't be callous in your exercise of freedom, thoughtlessly stepping on the toes of those who aren't as free as you are. 
So, <clears throat> what do you hear being said there? He says, I try my best to be considerate of everyone's feelings in all of these matters. So the person who believes that they need to have all the TV off and the food prepared before the sun sets on Friday night because it's the Sabbath. And if the TV's on a minute past the sunset, they broke the Sabbath. Then when you're in their household, you go by their rules and respect it. I would take that step further. Like, for example, if my mother, you know, came out here on a Friday, um, I would not have the TV on. Not because I'm afraid of what she's going to say. She can say what she wants, right? Like, she can think of me what she wants. But I know because of her own beliefs and the way that they are, what she believes is the right way, what her conscience is yes. telling her that she would be, for one, uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? And she would feel like she was going against her own conscience by even being in a house that had a TV on after Sabbath. So it is, it is right for me to say, well, like, I don't have a problem with TVs on at sundown on Sabbath. But she does, and so I'm going to make the choice to say, I know it's not wrong for me, right, or whatever, but it's going to offend or, or make her uncomfortable or make her feeling like she's doing something wrong. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah, the relationship. Even in my own home. The relationship is more important. Yeah. Which I think to, and I'll get to you, Carter, I think to your point, what you're saying is, and this is what I believe exactly, that's exactly what Paul is saying, because if your mom were here to visit... And, and you chose to leave the TV on that kind of stuff because, well, you know it's not a big deal, but that could offend her and put her mind in such a position where even if you had something to share with her about God, she couldn't hear it. Mm -hmm. She couldn't even accept it. And therefore, you can mess that window off to something true. Carter? Um, this goes back to your question about, you know, how can you be flexible but also not look like a hypocrite? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the Pharisees and, and uh, I'll tell you, religious, you know, Jews thought that Jesus was a hypocrite for that stuff, you know, seeing him with all the poor people and the sinners and stuff, like, they pointed fingers the whole time he was here on earth, mm -hmm. so I think, you know, just because people, you know, see that doesn't mean you are one, and, you know, it's their choice if they want to see that or not, I guess. So for me, I think that the focus comes down to, and Paul kind of mentions it here at the beginning of our, our discussion, in verse 20, uh, verse 24, no one is to seek his own good but the good of the other person. What law is that? What the book of Zion law is that? It's the Zion law of love. The Zion law of love, that's how reality works. That's how life is built. And so if you think about, think about like, you think about this. I often think about this too. Swearing. What's swearing? But swearing can damage a person's mind. Okay, so if Jesus can hang out with Peter and the tax collectors, okay, he could be a chameleon, but he's not behaving and acting and speaking in a way that would damage his own mind or damage another person's mind. He's living in harmony with the law of love. And so I think fundamentally, principally, my my idea would be 
doesn't matter who you're hanging out with. And this is what Paul talks about, whether Jew, whether Greek, whether slave, whether free, whatever it could be. Compose yourself in a way that you are living in harmony with the law of love, which is having the other's best interest in mind, which means you're not actually going to be talking to them in a way that's going to encourage a behavior or an action or an attitude that you know to be damaging or unhealthy. But you can also do that without being hypocritical and judgmental. Sure. I think kind of in a modern way of putting this is um, Charlie Watts, who played drums with the Rolling Stones for 50 years, when he wasn't with the band, he lived a very prim, proper, royal type life. His wife had horse, they had horse farms, and he had a very proper, he did jazz and big band when he was with the Rolling Stones. But when the brothers taught the tour, he became a Rolling Stone. Yeah, Mick Jagger has his reputation of this, this, that, Keith Richards, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe I don't know Charlie Watts' morality, and I really don't care what it is or isn't. But when he was with the Rolling Stones, hey, I'm a rock star now for the next 40 days. I'm a rock star. But when I get get away from the band, I'm with my wife. We live on our manor. We have our 400 acres. We have our 300 horses. I do my, uh, I do my big band. I do my jazz. I wear, because you look at pictures of when they tour, he's wearing a three-piece suit, whereas everybody else is. Yeah, whatever, wearing yeah. t-shirts, jeans, whatever, which is, so he, he, that was his thing of, I'm not going to tell you about These guys know what my real lifestyle is, but I like playing rock music. I'm going to have fun. I'm not going to live the lifestyle that they may be doing. Yeah. But this is part of my, I don't know, that's just a, like a weird comparison, I guess. You know, right. he's not rocking any boats. I'm not judging Mick and the boys as long as they're not judging me. Yeah. You know, we're going to have a good time on yeah. stage. I'm going to go home to my wife on her, on her 300 acre. Thing, and they're going to stay in the town and party at the bars and do whatever they want to do. It's their life. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. yeah, so to wrap it up, I just think that, you know, again. Somebody owes me 20 bucks for getting Rolling Stones into a church discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. That's great. Um, you know, verse 33. I'll pay you $1. Just as I also try to please everyone in everything, not seeking my own benefit but the benefit of many, so that they may be saved. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And, and if, we, if we flip to Philippians chapter 2, to kind of close out our conversation today, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is verse 5. 5 through 8. Who all who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I think that that's, when Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul's working to live his life in a way that has the mind of Christ, humbling himself, and always focusing on the good of the other person. And like you said, Sarah, when you know somebody who is convinced in their own minds and persuaded in their own minds, even if you know, and as the message put it, Mom, they're not as free as you because they have this legalistic, rules-based view, then take that into consideration when you're interacting with them.
Yeah, let's close for prayer. Father, thank you so much for this conversation. And these are tough conversations. And these are these are tough topics for us to wrestle with. And I, and I love that it's through this process of wrestling and talking and discussing that that we are able to grow and learn and change. And ultimately, what we're searching for is to have your mind, the mind of Christ, your characters recreated in us. And it's through these through this process that we come to that. Um, as we go about our weeks. May you give us opportunities to demonstrate the mind of Christ to others. May you give us the strength to be resilient when we're scorned and mocked and called a hypocrite when we're just simply demonstrating the truth about who you are. Bless the food that we're going to eat today and uh, bring us back together again safely next week. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen.